How do you get to grips with your screenplay? How do you overcome Rice's block? I'm joined by Raffaella Della Donna and Matthew Khalil on the Three Wells podcast. I'm your host and movie critic, Sibling. Raffaella Della Donna is a creator and writer known for her work on many animated series, including Peking Duckling Adventure Club, The Hapos Family, and Monster Beach. She co-wrote award-winning animated features Adventures in Zambezia and Kumba for Triggerfish Studios and served as the TV development executive for Triggerfish Studios and Disney The Story Lab. Matthew Khalil is an author, lecturer, and screenwriter with over 20 years of experience in directing, editing, and writing for film. The versatile and influential writer has continued to sharpen his craft through script editing, acting, and coaching the filmmakers of tomorrow. His inspirational and empowering new book, The Three Wells of Screenwriting, offers a fresh perspective and cross-section of his broad and deep understanding of film when it comes to the writing process. Over to you, Matthew. Thanks, Bling. So uh, I'm very excited to have Raffaella here for various reasons. I feel like I've known Raffaella for quite some time. Uh, Raffaella is one of these just kind of sparkles of creativity. Her Instagram uh, page, which, what is it called, your Instagram page? It's just called the very unique Raffaella, my name, triple three. (laughs) (laughs) When I first got onto Instagram, I didn't quite like get that, you know, that was the name that was going to appear like all those years ago. So I was just like total dork. Raffaella is my name, triple three. (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, anyway, anyone listening, Raffaella, triple three, you've got it. It like makes my day. I don't know where you find these things from. I mean, basically, has nothing to do with writing at mm. all obviously no. it's basically I think the occupational hazard we all suffer from which is procrastination which we disguise as I'm being creative right now mm-hmm. I lie in bed every morning and I'm like well, how do I feel today what's going on and then I look through my like library of just random weird images I've collected over many many years and then go okay this is it and then I post it with my hilarious caption yes. and then I lie in bed and I'll only get out of bed until I get my first like <laughs> and then when I get that like I think Mark XX5 you bastard and then I'm going to get up <laughs> that's amazing so that's kind of what happens I knew there was a story behind the Instagram that's why I wanted to jump into like straight away but I didn't realize it was like so linked to no, real it writing is. I mean I literally like the likes are literally the reason I get out of bed in the morning <laughs> so lame dude I can't no. believe I'm admitting that I don't know where you find the stuff from because I mean do you have a library of stuff or is it is it like do you go online and search no it's a it's a mix of things you know I started collecting images many many years ago like way before Instagram Instagram because I don't know if a lot of writers feel this way, but I feel like I can't draw, I can't take pictures, but I feel like, you know, as a a screenwriter, you you actually are kind of writing in pictures, you Mm -hmm, know, and so you have this connection with imagery, but because I can't actually produce imagery, I was so drawn to collecting images that sort of just expressed a mood or something weird or just so I just start to collect when I'm on Instagram or I'm on you know on the web then if there's something I find I just capture it Uh, and just save it do you get inspired by these images to write I mean is that do you kind of trawl through them and get get ideas or does it just keep you fresh what do you think the kind of I think when you're writing, you know, you had that intro in the beginning where you were saying, like, how do you get to grips with your screenplay? And I, and I, when you said that, I was like, I hope he doesn't ask that. What does that mean? You know? <laughs> and then I thought about it. I was thinking the way I get to grips with the screenplay is is actually sneaking around it and kind of taking it by surprise. Or, <laughs> because as soon as you sort of actually try and write – like it eludes you, you know, so you just have to kind of sneak up on it, you know, you have to kind of come around the back door sometimes a little bit because your mind 
the unconscious and subconscious works like that. That's you really know? beautiful. So it's the element of surprise. So anyway, sorry, back to the Instagram. Yes. I feel like what it does is that it, it forces me not to think about the story issue or the whatever I'm grappling with. And it just kind of frees up your mind a little bit. That's and then amazing. all of a sudden... I mean, maybe they're connected. I don't know. I mean, well, it's almost like you're opening up your mind to possibilities in yeah. a way. You're just kind of like clearing, like you say, you said you're freeing up your mind. You're opening up, I don't know, in the three worlds of screenwriting, I talk about the imagination well and how it's like this lightning bolt from above. But you've got to make yourself receptive. It's almost like you, you know, you're kind of charging yourself yeah. up with other stuff. I think you have to trick your screenplay into thinking that you're not actually thinking about it. That's what I do. It's a total ambush. Like, that's my strategy. Ambush, basically. So. We're going to have to talk about Dutchies <laughs> later. <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me about um, your first stirrings of creativity. So I'm trying to go back with a lot of the people that I'm interviewing here and say, when did you first realize that you wanted to be a writer? And what do you think was behind that? Well, you know, I think both you and I were the same generation that the kind of schooling we had you know everyone got separated into these sort of two camps you know either you were like a science and math or you were the art person but then I like didn't really fall into either so then I did like typing and home economics like I was that person so you kind of get you've been you're told that you're not a creative person because I felt like I couldn't draw so then I didn't do art I wasn't smart enough to do maths and science which is true <laughs> and and then it was kind of like, where do you fall in? And I think for ages, you know, you have this sort of sense that you are, but it kind of gets killed very early, you know. Absolutely. And then for ages, and even now, like I still don't think of myself as a creative person. It's quite weird. It's amazing. And it's sort of undoing that. So mm. I feel like if it was there, I feel like it was kind of squashed mm. at a very early age, mm. and which I think is probably, in hindsight, I think a good thing because you're not as like – kind of pre- it's precious and like I don't see myself as a creative that's like super deep about yeah. my work which I realize has <laughs> actually probably been a good thing especially in film because yeah. you know you have to have so many projects on the go I've seen people who are like truly creative brilliant people who are destroyed because oh. there's this project that means so much to them and it's good and they're struggling to get it made or, or get it whatever get it funded mm-hmm. and they're crushed by it and then sometimes I just think it's kind of good that I'm a little bit superficial about it. <laughs> Do you remember a time when you first started writing in particular? And, and when was that? I mean, I remember always really enjoying writing, being good at it, even from sort of primary school. And I, rem- I have this vague memory of a high school. No, it was a primary school teacher, probably like Sunday five. Mm-hmm. Who's like very, it was very deadpan, and she got up in front of the class and read my story, but she read it in this really deadpan voice, <laughs> and the ending was like something cheesy, like, and then when he opened his eyes, there were just like red dots, dot dot, you know, it was something like <laughs> lame and cheesy, like bad horror, yeah, yeah. and then she like read it in a really deadpan, and she was like. At least that ends in a slightly evocative way. And when she read that out loud, I was so proud, and I was like. Yeah, I want like because it was also about other people consuming and being entertained and thinking that they find that entertaining and interesting. So in that sense, I feel like I've always been a writer for other people. Like Mm. I don't actually write for myself. Like the the notion of like journaling and like I feel Mm. like those are like that's for the really creative and like smart people. Like I just want to tell stories (laughs) that other people enjoy, whether they're funny or scary or they move you. And it's always actually, and I think that's when I first had that notion of actually I just want to write like that someone will want to actually read this and find it entertaining or watch it 
yeah, I think that's yeah. so I would all all to that deadpan reading of my <laughs> cheesy horror story, basically. <laughs> very good, very good. So um, that's amazing. So that's like way back in your past. You had this uh, stirring. I know what mm. that's like. Suddenly, your classmates. I used to tell stories about movies. Like I remember used to recount movies to my friends. And mm. I remember people gathering around me to listen to my recounting of the taking of Panem one, two, and three, which is the, <laughs> the first version of the movie. And everyone was like literally hanging on my mm. every word. And I was like, wait a minute. The storytelling thing is quite interesting. That was probably like grade seven or whatever. Mm. But how did that passion and that that early thing turn into Kumba or like writing a script? I think I didn't grow up definitely at that time thinking it was even a possibility to be a writer. Then my next my step was, well, maybe I should be a journalist. You know, that was the kind of like a viable thing to do, okay, you know, yeah, yeah. because I mean, who gets paid to write, you know, journalists. journalists yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So then I went to university and then actually went on a whole other academic track, did a PhD in the very useful subject of comparative religion and thought academic life, this is for me, you uh, know. Yes. And yeah, I mean, you get paid to think and work mm. and teach and lots of holidays mm. and da da da. And then I wrote a children's book based on a sort of sand mythology, and then was approached by Anthony Silverstein, who was the partner at Triggerfish at the time, when, when they, well, he still is, when they first started. And he said to me, I heard you've written a book, and I've been wanting to develop a f- animated feature film. And I said, well, I've never written a script before. He goes, neither have I. I was like, okay, well, let's just do it, you know? What? So basically, that was literally like a conversation at a party. Wow. And we and that was, at that stage, I mean, I didn't even know if you were teaching. I mean, there wasn't really yeah. like, no. you know, you had to learn on the job. Absolutely. And I think we just, we got lucky because we won a competition that was run by the NFEF with the British Film Institute at the mm-hmm. time. And we won in the zero to hero category for okay. our story. And then from that, we got a script editor. And I think it just sort of set it on a, on a track, yeah. you know, that we... Which story was this? Uh, for Kumba, oh, sorry. For Kumba. Yes, okay, yeah, cool. sorry, okay, yeah. Great. So, no, um, I mean, and we just learned, you know, we just read books and we just learned wow, on the job. I and it. like, the I mean, the first iterations of it are appalling, yeah. as you can imagine. I've got a copy of my first script that I wrote at my when I did my master's in screenwriting and my friend sent it to me the other day and I was like, oh my goodness, this is what the hell was I thinking? Yeah. Anyway, but it's a, it's yeah. a learning process. So that's kind of from there and then okay, literally cool. just kind of kept going. So I'm going to talk about Kumba mm. briefly. And um, so Triggerfish is, as you see, I'm wearing the Triggerfish t-shirt I today. I told you, you drank know? the Kool-Aid. I did, I did, <laughs> I did. What we do on the Three Worlds podcast here is we like to listen to a little trailer of the movie. So let's bring it up and have a listen. Deep in the heart of Africa. It's happening! It's time! A zebra of a different stripe is born into a superstitious herd. That's not right. What could it mean? It's a bad sign. No stripes, no rain. And when a mysterious drought grips the land... How could one zebra make all the water go away? Half a zebra. He will break away from the herd. He left. Oh, no. To earn his stripes. I'm going to get my stripes at the magic water hole. I'm sure we're going the right way. He will discover a vast, beautiful world. You're saying you can get us to a water hole? Filled with new friends. What is that, Dad? Fast sunlighting. Something wrong with the indifferent? And great danger. Ah! Experience the adventure of a lifetime. Who's with me? On the wildest safari ever. Zebra crossing. To find feather duster. I am not a cleaning implement. You're mocking me because I'm flightless. 
no creature gazes upon the wings of doom. Wings of doom. We're just here to see the Black Eagle. Oh, I've got to hand it to you, Kumba. You sure are one of a kind. Not giving up. Guaranteed to bring out the stripe in you. We need brave zebras like you. You think you're the only one who has a hard time fitting in? I can smell your fear. I can almost taste it. I can hear him breathing. <gasps> no, that's you. Goomba. I gotta pee. You gotta go? <sighs> nope. Not anymore. Okay, cool. So what was it like hearing that again? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I have to say, certain like, pieces of dialogue just take you back to like that nightmare of being in the studio, in the recording studio, especially knowing that you've only got limited time, yeah. especially with the A-list celebrities. And then you've got to go, can we just have that again? Like, but with put a smile on it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's hard. It's, a, it's oh. every night, just that stress of just, you know, are you going to, you have performances, you know, in the bank that when we later go to the edit mm. are going to be perfect, you know? Okay. So you have those, I just, like it brings back the, so it's like PTSD, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So within the three wells of screenwriting, mm. one of the things we talk about is the external sources well, which is what you fill with all other movies you've seen, other books you've read, and you kind of tap on that. In a way, your your images that you're collecting in the in the Instagram mm. thing is very much filling up an external sources well of like crazy, mm. wacky, unique mm. ideas. Although those are all X-rated and cannot be used it's, for appropriately aged film, films. Why enjoy <laughs> your Instagram so much? <laughs> Not for family viewing. No, but. With this Kumba in particular, mm. I was just thinking, like, did they watch National Geographic movies or did they watch other animation movies about talking animals? Or did you do any research around Kumba or not really? How did it work? Well, OK, so Anthony is, has a background in science. So he was very, which was great. I mean, he came to it looking at the Karoo and the plants and he really wanted to recreate that. Even the choice of having... A zebra and a wildebeest and an ostrich as a trio wasn't just like a random thing. It's because in the wild they are seen together. And he gave me the whole explanation. I was Fantastic. like, yeah, yeah, whatever, let's do yeah. it. You know? <laughs> whatever you think, let's go. <laughs> so that was, I mean, which actually that attention to detail is great. And even the dusty and eagle scene, for those of you who will hopefully at some point see it if you haven't already, you know, there is that relationship between them in the wild. So there was that sort of research. Oh, but then I don't actually watch, especially now I do, but when I first started writing I didn't really watch that much animation. I didn't come from that world or that background. And so the inspirations I draw on are films that I like, like mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay. And I mean, basically like the... It's like the, Texas this, Chainsaw Massacre for kids. Dude, that scene. I mean, you guys got to go back and watch it now knowing this. Yeah. So there's the scene with the crazy old sheep mm-hmm. who is voiced by my hero, Catherine Tate, who I love. Okay. And um, she's just like this total loony, crazy. Wow. And we literally, I said to Anthony, let's watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think we should just like, me- like we can tone it down, but I think we must go this vibe, you know. And basically, we, so that was like <laughs> kind of the inspiration for that. And obviously over the course, as we did, it got, you know, more and more diluted. But I mean, that was actually the inspiration for that's it. That's amazing. You know? I love it. So your external source as well is filled with like bizarre stuff. That's but, and also very adult things yeah. because I don't watch a lot of kid stuff, mm. like more, more so now and and usually as an exercise and there's certain I mean there's certain things I've really gotten into and I love like I, I wouldn't watch it just because you know it's my job yeah 
But I, most of the time, I actually watch stuff that I don't write. Mm. But I feel like there's a way to bring it in. Yes. And not yes. just like, oh, so the adults can also enjoy it. But I think you can make something like scary and funny for kids. So the other well we talk mm. about is the memory well. So your own life experiences and your own things that you've lived. Mm. Did you draw from that in some way? Is that evident in Kumbu? Because I think I can see one or two moments yeah. where it is. No, there. definitely. Look, I mean, I think look, at its heart, you know, Kumbu is about outsiders and not fitting in. And that's the whole premise of, you know, that it's a theme that runs through it. You know, it's an issue that's very close to Anthony's heart because he, you know, he felt like that growing up. Yeah, so I think in that sense, yeah, I think that feeling of, you know, as a little girl coming to South Africa from Italy and just feeling like, and I didn't speak English and I had like weird curly hair and a weird name and no one's parents were divorced, which sounds so like boo-hoo, cry me a river. And but at the time, yeah, at the time, I just wanted like, I basically wanted like straight hair and my name to be Tiffany. In my soul, that's what I wanted to be, you know. And it sounds so trivial, but it was so traumatic. Just thinking, like, I just want to be, I just feel like crying just thinking about it. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to be like all those girls, you know. Mm. And I think, yes, I think that definitely, definitely. And I also want to be like those girls. <laughs> no, no, I look back. No, and the dude, the worst of it, <laughs> right, is when I look back at pictures of like myself, Ian was like teenager in the 80s, and I was like, I was such a dork, you know? Mm. And now I'm like, damn, I was actually cool, but I didn't know I was cool. <laughs> I wish I could just go back and tell myself, you actually are cool, you know? Dussie. Dussie. So, <laughs> she's like. So, okay. How much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> so, Dussie, for those of you, oh, not South African, listening to this podcast, if there are any of you, good. Subscribe and like our page and give us lots of ratings. Dussie is like also known as a rock hyrax or, or something, yeah. which is like a strange creature that lives in South Africa. It's closely related, I think, to, to the, the elephant, elephant, even though it's, it's basically like a big rat. It's like a massive rat, yeah. yeah. And uh, But they're very cool. A um, giant hamster. Like yeah, giant that's hamster probably, yeah. With like fangs and claws and stuff. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, are you a Dussie? Do you, do you know what? I do identify the Dussie as my spirit animal. And, um, you know, I know it's like meant to be something like, you know, soaring eagle, but I feel like the dust is so close to my heart because I also like being on the mountain. I like how it's kind of like skittles out to see what's going on. But then as soon as you get close, it's just like, you know, and I think I'm a bit like that also. <laughs> so, But also like this total like... Like hanging around in packs, like but worried about predators, you know. I feel like I totally like connect to that vibe. So yes, the Dusty is my totem spirit animal. I thought so. And yeah. The reason I bring it up is because there's a scene in in um, Kumba which is the totally unique and again one of these moments yes. where it's like yeah. drawing from some sort of a deep well of something. No, that is the deep well of being brainwashed with religion. Yeah, for sure. Tell me a bit about no, that scene. Totally. What happens in it again? No, so basically the Dusty, it's sort of natural predator in the wild, is the black eagle. And, you know, obviously, because it's an animated film, you want to tell this predator relationship in a kind of funny and interesting way. And I went to religion because that's funny and interesting. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it's, hilarious. It's what you studied, so, part of religion. So that I sort of said to Ant, you know, what if the Dicees are actually this kind of like doomsday cult? And they've kind of explained and justified why they're all dying and why the eagle is going to eat them. And they've built this entire like mythology around it to make themselves feel better about it. And they also just like push other guys first because they've got to offer up a sacrifice, you know. So you justify the fact that one of your own will have to die for you. And then we ended up coming up with this whole big chant where they talk about the wings of doom and wings they do of this. Doom. Wings and, of doom. And, they, wings and then of again, doom. also, kudos to Anthony. 
there are these actual like rocks, which are these like singing rocks that you get in the Karoo. Oh. Gong rocks, sorry, gong rocks. Oh. So then it was like, oh my God, religious props. And then we were just went ape. We were like, woo, let's go, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, so it just like spun out of control. Oh, and then it. they were doing like talking in tongues. Like, and it was like, let's straw on that charismatic stuff when they're like eating snakes and when they do oh, all yeah. that crazy stuff. <laughs> let's just throw everything at it. So I got to like exorcise mm. my like resentment at being brainwashed with religion in the form of the Dasi. So for that reason, also very close to my heart. You know? that is so, this is the memory well, sorry to say. But yeah, it's dude, out, you're so right. I'm like into the into a fictional thing and no one would know. But as a writer, you you kind of like, this is actually the process. Yeah. But only now that you're asking me about it, do I even connect the two, actually. Mm. I've just got two more questions. Mm, um, I feel and like there's a trick one coming. Well, there's one. Or t- you can't make scrambled eggs without cracking a few Easter eggs. Is that what you've been doing? Yeah. I don't understand you know, the analogy. DVD, yes. Yeah, Easter eggs. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. Oh, dude, learned. sorry. Yeah. I can't okay, believe no. I didn't get that reference. I got the Easter eggs, but I wasn't sure about oh. the cracking. And also the religious kind of. No, dude. Spot oh, on. Oh, we, oh, very we, good. Spot he's, exactly. He's on no. another level. Yeah. We're, no. We're I was like, oh, no, I'm still kicking up. Me too. I'm still down here with the dussies, yo. He's circling above us like this big eagle. And he's just, anyway. That was interesting. Sorry, before you go on. The way you tackle your screenplays, the, the ambushing thing. I don't know how Dussies actually <laughs> yeah. like, uh, sort of get by and <laughs> yeah. food if they're just eating grubs or yeah. actually attacking. Are they carnivorous? I if don't even know. Teeth? I think they might be omnivorous. Dude, they're like know, total they're like gangsters. Well, you they know, are, they're just, they are hardcore. Yeah. They're like the unfit for animals. Yeah. <laughs> they are actually. Don't ruin my spirit animal for me. Okay, don't sorry. ruin my spirit yeah. animal. <laughs> <laughs> Two more questions. The first is part of the Three Wells podcast is to inspire writers who are a little bit stuck. And like, you know, maybe not writing and facing, you know, writer's block. I'm not going to ask you how you overcome writer's okay, block. Okay, good. Because my answer you won't like. Oh, but now I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> because you can't put, you can put this in. I don't care, but it's very uninspiring. Because yeah. people always say that. Yeah. And the thing is, A, I actually never have writer's block, which doesn't mean that the ideas aren't completely shit. But the best way to overcome writer's block is a deadline and being poor. Because I feel like that's what actually amazing. gets me out of bed in the morning. People are like, oh, I love writing. I'm like, you're not a real writer. No one loves writing. Absolutely. You don't love writing. <laughs> so the thing is, that's actually, the, for me, a deadline yeah. is like how you overcome writer's block. Absolutely. And it sounds I very... Agree. No, but I agree 100%. You know, yeah. Where do you write? Do you have like a writing room or a space in your in your house? Or like when you're actually writing at home? So not when you're working at Triggerfish or something, but is there a space? And how do you create that space? You know, it's I write at home, and I actually write. I do have a study, but I never seem to be in the study. I was always like, oh, I'm a writer. I have an office and a study, you know. But then it just it just become like this clutter room. And actually, I just write at the dining room table, like in the middle of my house, and just like literally staring at a wall because, you know, people are also like – would you want to write by the sea? I'm like, no, because then I want to be outside in the sea. Like, I'd rather write in like a cell block, you know, because you just don't, you don't want anything that's going to tempt you already. You know, you when you're writing at home, you're like, no, I can't write until I've dusted off those blinds, you know. <laughs> and all, you know yeah. so, so basically just face a blank wall and that's it. Like, for me, that's just what you've got to do. Just like monastic, you know. Yeah, nothing it. inspirational about it. Very good. I love that answer. <laughs> So my last question is, how do you help writers who are stuck? And I think you've answered that already with the writer's block and deadline. And I agree. I think that's just it. Have a deadline and be poor. No, and also because, you know, just to answer another question, I mean, I mean to just add on to that, I've been writing on a series for Cartoon Network called Monster Beach. 
and very recently when I was in LA, I met up with a story editor just as a kind of high how's it to meet in person. And we were talking about something and I was saying, I sort of struggled with my second script quite a bit and I felt a bit bad about it because I felt like he had to put in a lot of extra work because I wasn't quite getting something. And he was like, you know what? The fact that you just... When you say you're going to get the deadline, you meet the deadline. And he's, and I was, I was like, but do other people like not? And I, so I, and I, cause I can't imagine, mm-hmm. first of all, you've promised that and they're going to pay you. And they, you know, so like the half the job is just submitting it when you say you're going to do it. That's a, being a professional writer. You know, it's not, you're not doing it for your own enjoyment. You're not, it's, I mean, it's a rare job. It's the best job in the world. Yeah. So just like keep at it and just like deliver when you say you're going to deliver. And then that's also what inspires you to kind of keep going because you know I've promised this person on the other side of the world that they're going to have that script in the inbox on this day. And I think that's a good thing to cultivate. Absolutely. I agree 100%. To be professional, actually. I'd rather have someone that's consistently delivering than someone who's a genius and delivers like air randomly. No, and I mean, exactly, because especially in animation or in any production, you're holding up a whole lot of a whole process out there and you are holding that up. Yeah. And cool. yeah, that's just bad form. Bad well, thanks form. for your time today, Raphael. And we have a little um, tradition here on the Three Walls oh. podcast, which I'm going to reach into this I'm packet. I'm scared about this what is it is, though. I don't like surprises. <laughs> I don't like, I'm such a control freak. Don't be scared. Okay, so here yeah. it is. It's a little cheese ball. <laughs> is um, that what you wrote? I wrote about down the name che- here. Yes, exactly. That's sorry. Which, I was trying to think of it. Belpernoli. I think that the person who makes these cheeses is making up different names for mm, me. I'm not it's sure. like a chevron. smells like so a chevron with so you, black pepper. You, you, you yeah. scrape it off into your pasta. Basically. Mm, That's like a truffle. Mm. Oh, my God. So it, fancy. It is so nice. Dude, you will love it. You will I love do. it. I do. So I, this is now episode seven of the Three Wilds podcast. I'm trying to learn how to say this name of this cheese. Eventually, I'll get it right. I'm yeah. sure. But yeah. It was yeah, like Bel Air pizza or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thanks, thanks so much for guys. joining us. Thanks, Thank you for so inviting me. Thanks for listening to the Three Wells podcast. Please rate our podcast and subscribe to stay tuned for future updates.